I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. So one of our live events recently, we got to talk to some of my friends from the past named Marvin and Sally Adams, who are ministry leaders, but also pastors who have adopted a number of children now, which is amazing. And they've, uh, they've been on this adoption journey in the midst of planting bases. They have the house of prayer in Indiana. They have, you know, they equip people, they have leadership schools, they have all, you know, they do a lot of kind of city unification stuff and regional unification stuff. So they do all this stuff. They're worship leaders, songwriters, preachers. But then in the midst of this, they began to adopt. And I got to be with them during their first, uh, I think, three adoptions. I was around their life. And then we lost contact for a number of years, although we've always been fond of each other. And then they adopted more children and a second wave of children. And each of these children, they were all children at risk. They were high-risk children. And hearing their story of how God brought them on that journey and made it such an accessible thing through them for many people in their lives and their community to also go on the journey of adoption because they gave them courage. They were, they had the tenacity and they had the faith for the full deliverance these kids would need to become the full version of themselves, no matter what the challenges were. And they just have amazing kids because of it. And I know, like, especially their first son, James, I was really in his life back in the nineties that they were the, actually the first church I spoke at, they were on staff at when I was 19 or 20 years old. Uh, when I was traveling for in uh, Kansas City for the International House of Prayer, it was actually for the church at the time for Mike Bickle, and uh, and there was their church was either the first or the second ministry trip I ever went on through that church, and I taught the worst message I've ever done. It was you, we are called to be God's friends, and it was so funny. And they were but God moved and they loved it, so they still have a tape from that time to blackmail me with at some point if we need it. But back to their story today, I want to talk to them about the adoption journey. I'm going to ask them questions on why and how and what God's done through it, because now a lot of the kids are adult kids. And so they, they've they gone the whole route with them, not just the first few years. A lot of times when we hear from people who've adopted, it's in the first couple of years when they're excited about it. And, and Marvin and Sally are still excited about it, but they're excited in a much different way because now they've, they're seasoned in it. And it's really affected the kids that they've adopted as well. So I'm really excited for this conversation. We did it live at a Modern Prophetic Night in Indianapolis where they helped to host and lead worship. And you're going to really enjoy this interview. Before we get to the interview, I'm going to share with you something, a resource that we have right now for you. Growing up with God is a resource that we created because we believe in children's ability to partner with heaven and hear God's voice. Just like Bill Johnson says, there's no junior Holy Spirit. And parents ask me all the time, when did this start with you? And I tell them it was when I was a little kid that I started to hear God's voice and prophesy over people because I grew up in a nurturing environment that helped me to understand how God lives in me and how to access his voice in his heart. So my parents put me on that journey and as Sri and I were developing different materials, we had to slow down for kids because we knew that they needed a resource as well. So we developed Growing Up With God, the novel, which I personally wrote and had a blast writing it. It's a really identity book. It's hearing God's voice for yourself, developing that personal relationship with him. Then we created a workbook for kids. You can go through it with them, parents, but this book is for kids. It's amazing. And we also, in addition to that, created a teacher's guide and a whole course that Sunday schools, homeschools, families can go through, small groups. 
And this is an incredible couple hundred page teacher's guide. It has parent points, it has teacher points, activations, perforated pages. And all this is framed by this beautiful illustration done by Lamont Hunt, who did a Pixar internship and has been in feature films as an animator. And he put together this like Pixar meets Japanimation character so that kids from seven to 12 can easily relate across that generational gap, can easily relate to these characters and the art style. It's a very popular art style. And I know your kids are going to enjoy this. They're going to go on a journey. We've had so many incredible reports from parents who said we didn't know how to help our kids access the prophetic. And this resource changed everything for us. It was a game changer for our family. So I'm going to encourage you, get Growing Up With God, get the novel. We even have a coloring book, a workbook, the teacher's guide, the kit. I want to encourage you, whatever level you think your kids are at, grab hold of the resource and material and see what God will do for them. Today, or tonight, we have one of my lifelong, long-term friends who I haven't seen in forever. Marvin, you're going to come on up here. Come on. This is Marvin Adams. Can Sally come up here, too? I think we should do Sally, too. I don't know why we weren't doing... We just have to share microphones. Can we get one more chair? Because we're going to be talking about some stuff that is really both of your lives. And so we're... Jeremy's going to get you a chair, I believe. Yeah, he's bringing a chair over and kind of aim it towards me because you're talking to me even more than them. And here we go. Sally, this is Marvin and Sally Adams. They've been in ministry for... They, I know they look like they're in their 30s and they're close to that, but they've been in ministry for so long and doing so much. You guys have done everything from houses of prayers to inner city ministry to churches to all kinds of things. And now you're in a season as we're starting this show, this and a live audience, you're in a season right now that's new for you in a way. Like there's a lot of new things happening, but can you kind of give us a frame for what you're doing right now and who you are? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we have been, Sally and I have been married for 27 years. We have six adopted kids who are amazing. There's one of my princesses on the Woo! front row, Jenny. And um, so we have been in full-time leadership for... Uh, 27 years from the day, the whole time we got married. And um, in full-time ministry that entire time, both in, like Sean said, House of Prayer movement, planting churches, and we're primarily planters. We're pioneers and planters. So we love cutting our teeth on new stuff that the Lord is doing. And so one of the amazing things in this season is uh, we've been in in the Indianapolis region for three years and um, he's really doing something with family that is so profound. And both, uh, both, you know, natural family, but especially with spiritual family. We're talking about, like, this is one giant family reunion in this room tonight. And it's yes. such a deep level of love. And uh, just the Lord has overturned competition and jealousy and... Uh, boundary lines and he's made us one family together so we're we're helping along with many amazing there's incredible leaders in this room tonight pioneer a movement of true friendship and i love that yes so do you have anything to add to that as far as what you're doing right now in life where you're at right yeah, now yeah we are um we are we have a little house of prayer that is praying for um, the Hope Center Indie, which is rescuing women from trafficking. And so we, we pioneered that to just cover the women and the staff and all their work there. 
Um, we have a, an amazing church that we're at the well. <laughs> that has just become uh, really dear to us so quickly. And, and we're also, um, four of our kids are kind of out of the house doing other things, and, but we have two young kids, eight and six, and uh, we just received our six-year-old um, from Haiti, July 19th of this wow. year. So, this is your third from Haiti? Yeah, we've got three Haitian wow. kids, three American kids, and, um, and yeah, so that's been our newest adventure this year. We've, her name's Dafka. We, she has an amazing prophetic story um, and, and God healing her. And um, so she's, yeah, she's come just splashed down in our lives. <laughs> well, and this is kind of why I wanted to interview you guys, because I know we could talk about you guys as pioneers, and we could talk to you about uh, as planters, but there's something really special. When you said God's doing something special in families here, Yeah. I mean, I, I knew the first four kids you adopted. Like, I know, Jenny, you may not know me, but I've known you since you were like this, like you were so little. Well, you were two, I think. Right. Two? Yes. Yeah, and, uh, and I remember, you know, Jakey, and of course James, and your brother, and now they're all your brothers, but I mean, like your brother when you guys first came. And like, what happened in you that motivated you to adopt and then keep going? Because I remember like when you guys did James, that was for a while before you adopted any more kids. Yes. What happened? Like, tell us about the adoption journey. Also, you guys are so funny. Some of the things that happened in some of your adoption journey, we would live vicariously through their stories because there were so many funny moments that were like only funny because you guys saw God. <laughs> you know? Well, I think we um, we were on a missions trip when we met our oldest son, and uh, it wasn't in our brain at the time to to adopt. But we saw this boy, and um, he was 12, and just like the light of God shining through him, and he was just amazing. And I asked him to sing me a Haitian song, and he just sang with all of his heart, you know, just loudly sang me a song. And um, I mean, he had me then. But uh, um, yeah, I think, you know, when we, we, were, we were pursuing God in prayer and when you, when you really spend time with the Lord, you get his heart and it's easy to, to fall in love and it's easy to, to, to uh, just you know, open your heart when the Lord says open it. And so we met him in Haiti. He, the Lord told us, this is a Samuel, and you are to raise him in the house of the Lord. So we did. Yeah. I think part of it, like uh, the prayer movement propelled us into an encounter with the spirit of adoption. Yeah. And so the spirit of adoption has been something so near and dear to us. And you know, James, James chapter one, this is pure and undefiled religion to take care of widows and orphans in their distress. And so I think we decided as early 20, uh, early 20 something married couple, we were going to be part of the solution to God's dream to set the solitary into families. And so we just, we're, we're adventurous like you. So we dove, you know, we just dove right in and we started adopting we actually one of our wild prophetic stories is larry randolph from california prophesied the amount of kids we we're gonna have like oh, wow. back in um in 1996 he called us out in a meeting in valparaiso 
Valparaiso, Indiana, and said, I see three kids, and then I see another wave of three coming, and just gave us some details about our lives and our kids, so amazing. I'd be the mother of, of nations. Yeah, so. amazing. Wow, and you are. That's amazing yes. what happened. Yeah. And I think of um, a lot of House of Prayer people, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of House of Prayers have adoption and foster care as part of it. I mean, like, we have so many friends that are fostering right now and so many young people who are adopting. Like, we've had five single friends, single, three, no, four single women and one single guy who've all adopted kids because they've, they've been in a house of prayer and all of a sudden they get gripped with an encounter with God for adoption. And that's amazing. Like, that's just so wild that that's part of the fruit of being in a prayer room, yeah. that you can't help but love and expand in your family. And Absolutely. That, but you wouldn't think that. Like, the, the average person wouldn't know if there's all this adoption happening and foster care it's going on. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, you pray, you know, the verse from Malachi that the, the hearts of the fathers would be turned to the, to the hearts of the children, the children to their fathers, you know, and you pray the James one, you know, that, that the Lord would, um, you know, send people to adopt these children. And, you know, for years we've, we've had um, prayer meetings focused on, on children and babies yeah. and, um, and uh, you know, you, you can't get away from it once you start yeah, down the road. Obviously, six <laughs> children later, you couldn't get away right. from it. That's amazing. Yeah. So tell us some more of the adoption stories because there's six of them. Tell us. What were some of the other motivating factors or God's stories? Yeah, I think uh, the Lord spoiled us on our first one, James. He was like the golden child, perfect. And he, he gave, is. James so, is like everybody who would come around James would be like, James. And it was kind of easy, right, the yes. first time? Oh, it was amazing. He came at 12, and he just instantly bonded with Sally and I. He did all ministry. So this is a kid who um, he met Jesus when he was nine at, as an orphan in Haiti, and he decided he was going to plant a church. So he was an apostle, like at nine or 10. He, at 10, he had the church of 30 street kids. He would gather, you know, pennies and feed these kids every week and preach the little bit of the Bible stories that he, his grandma would share with him. He would gather these kids and preach. And uh, this is a kid who Jesus appeared to him and preached the gospel to him. So he's like such, he is such a divine Thing and is now planning a church in Kansas City, just doing amazing. And um, so we have six grandkids there. So we have six Polish, Mexican, Haitian grandbabies <laughs> in Kansas City. The who, most beautiful grandbabies. The most beautiful, amazing kids. And so God spoil, spoiled us with that. So we thought all of our, all the adoptions are going to be that easy. And every single one was a challenge as far as even getting. James, it was nine months. It was just like a pregnancy, unheard of. And uh, the other five, it was like a war in the heavenlies with each, uh, each one of them. A great, amazing story we love to tell about our last adoption um, with our little girl, Dafka. It's so absolutely sovereign. But um, so uh, we decided we knew there was one more kid uh, that we were go going to adopt at some point. And Sally started having visions of a little black girl wow. and um, over and over. And so it, for people who know my wife, this is what she does. She tells me one day, I'm getting on an airplane and I'm taking James and I'm going to Haiti and I'm going to go find our daughter. Yes. And she goes, oh, this is my wife. She goes on a treasure hunt. And like, I know she's not going to leave the nation until she finds... Wow this kid and so they're at they're you know 
there for a few days. They're going through the process. They're at an orphanage we're in relationship with, and um, they, you know, see that you know there's only a handful of kids that were adoptable uh, at that point, and so she knows just in the spirit it's not those children, although they were cute and beautiful, and we could have easily done it. And so, but it wasn't the kid the Lord showed her. So they're walking. You want to share what happened? Sure. So yeah, I haven't. I, I knew I'd seen all the kids that were available, so I was kind of like, okay, well, well, we'll see, you know, go on to the next place. Um, I'm walking down the hall of the orphanage, and the, the lady I'm following just turns off into the nurse's station, and um, I see a little boy with severe cerebral palsy, and, and I look over on this side, and there is this, the most beautiful little girl, um, you know, and my heart just went funk, you know, and I, and I prayed to the Lord. I'm like, God, this is an impossible task. So just please lead me and you let me know, you know, let it be such a divine thing. And, and I had her face in my head because I'd seen, you know, just visions of her. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, when I saw her, I just went, <gasps> you know, and I said, um, what about this little girl? Like, is she available? And she said, well, how do you feel about special needs? I'm like, well, we've, we've done plenty of that. So, <laughs> um, so she said, well, she's HIV positive. So how, how do you feel about that? And, um, so I said, well, um, I think we're fine with that. Let me, let me just contact my husband, see how he feels. And Marvin gave me the thumbs up. And so I went back and I'm like, yes, absolutely. This is, this is our daughter. We've got to have her. And so we started our adoption process. Um, and uh, when she was six months old, she'd been in the orphanage at three months old. Her mom is HIV positive. Her dad is dead. And um, so, uh, so at six months old, we started that process. And we knew that we would be adopting a, uh, an AIDS baby. So um, three or, you know, probably about a year and a half later, Marvin can pick up the story. Yeah, so we, um, I, I go into a leadership consultation. Oh, yeah. So I went home. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This is I, real life. <laughs> yeah. I went home, made postcards, handed them out to everybody who prayed that I knew. And I'm like, pray for this baby, pray for our, our process, and pray that she would get healed. Yeah. So uh, about a year and a half, two years later, I'm doing a leadership consultation down in uh, Evansville, Indiana. And I'm in a room of leaders. I know one guy uh, who's brought me in to speak to this team. And uh, there's a knock at the door. And this man walks in and says, I have a word for this guy. And he points at me. And this man's in a business suit. I find out later he's like a scientist with NASA or something. It's like so odd. And he says, I've been sitting here. And my friend who I'm doing the consultation for knew him. And it's like, this guy's a real deal prophetic voice. And so he says, I've been sent here by the Lord to give you a word. There's a child connected to you and your wife. And he pauses, and he's looking weird, because I know he's seen a black baby. It's like, anyway, there's a child connected to you and your wife. And right now, the Lord is reaching into her body and rearranging three things, DNA, tissues, and chromosomes. And that which concerns you and your wife, the Lord is perfecting right now. And I'm just like a blubbery mess. No one knows our story there. 
I hide it in my heart. I come back and share with Sally, and it's like, you know, she's an AIDS, ba- you know, and she's well past. There is a zero conversion rate with, you know, with there's like three cases in the world where babies have reconverted before 11 months. And so she was well past that age. And um, the doctor said it was, you know, medically impossible. She would be an a, a AIDS baby. And uh, so anyway, so about three weeks later, we get a phone call from our little sweet Baptist adoption agency. Mm-hmm. says, we've never done a phone call like this. We're not quite sure what how, how to do this kind of phone call, but are you sitting down? And we're like, yes, what is going on? And we were, you know, us of little faith, we we're prepared for like bad news, what's happened. And they're like, Dafka has been totally healed of AIDS. Yeah! And isn't that amazing? Oh my God. And they were stupefied. The doctors in Haiti were, had not seen anything like it. And they tested her two or three times before they would even call us just to make sure that it was verified. So she's a verified miracle in Haiti. And just um, and so, you know, it's, it's a very dramatic story, but we ended up having to fight uh, for almost six years to get her to, wow. a miracle, to America. So from six yeah. months to this past July... It was like a so, war in the yeah, heavenlies to get her here. She was six years old when we finally got her. And the week that we were flying there, Haiti erupted in violence, burning down, you know, hotels, burning down, you know, attacking people, holding them hostage. And so James, our oldest son, was like, do not go to Haiti, Mom. <laughs> so we... So what did Sally do? She, go to Haiti. We went to Haiti, yeah. Of course, they look like really innocent, but I'm telling you, they're fearless. I've known them for a long time. Some of the things that they've done and said yes to, like they're fearless, and obviously there's fruit from that. Wow, so you went and got her. You went on a rescue mission. We did. So what was yeah. the process as far as whatever you can tell? How come it took six years? Like what was the... Um, we had... Um, uh, well, in Haiti, the government is very... Um, interesting and takes a long time and um, things are always changing rules are always changing you need more money Um, but also we had some people who um, we trusted who who ended up being corrupt who were working down there so we had to hire somebody else and so it was just um, you know it would have like thank God he gave us such a miraculous beginning because um, a lot of people drop out at that point, but yeah. we... And we had many people tell us, tell us to, to give up yeah. and go and move like, on or forget it. And wow. there was that knowing deep inside, yeah. this is our child and How she's ours. How could I ours. forget you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Written on my hand. Wow. <laughs> so. so go backwards a little bit because um, you have four more we haven't talked about. And I just think it's good for people. Th- these are prophetic adoption stories. They're not just adoption stories like, we have a good heart, we want to help someone come into a new life. It's like, God, you're giving us children. Like, you're putting them in our hearts. Like, you're allowing, like, even when these guys came, you're so amazing. I love seeing you all grown up. But when these guys came to you, they came as a brother and a sister. And, like, and I think, were you fostering at first? Mm-hmm. And so you're fostering for a little while. And then all of a sudden, there was a turning point where you knew they were yours. And remember, you were telling us, like, yes. God gave these to us as our children. Absolutely. Like, t- can you t- tell that story at all? Well, um, I was, I had never had a baby, and so 
I didn't know what that was like. And, you know, our older son just kind of jumped into life with us and we ran hard together. And so when I got um, Jennifer and Joseph, like we- So they were two and a half and one, one and, and a half. half. They're Irish one twins, 11 months apart. I And moms, I think you can relate to me. I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just like, you know, after a few weeks, I'm like, I don't know if we can even do this, you know, because they had come from a lot of trauma and um, and it was a, a, a huge job and, and ministry stopped for me, life stopped for me, you know, just um, and that was that was it. Um, so, you know, we were just I'm like, this is so beyond my capability and um, but one day I was holding Joseph, and he was he was just he's he's autistic, and um, a blessing. Um, but I was holding him, and he was never ever still except when I would hold him. And when I'd hold him, he would just like drink in every bit of like affection and love. And I could tell that he was just you know it was like he was just starving for, for love. And, um, and I was holding him and just kind of tracing his face. And, and the Lord said, what would you trade to, to save this boy from hell? And I just, <laughs> the Lord just gripped my heart. And I'm like, God, I, I would do anything. I'd trade anything, you know, my ministry, my whatever else my life was, you know, I, I would do it. And um, in that moment, it wasn't just enough, you know, that I was able to say the words, but in that moment, he completely, you know, just bonded my heart with them and um, gave me a greater capacity than I had before. And um, so that's, that's a huge part of my testimony is that, you know, we're always seemingly to put ourselves in positions where we don't have the strength, the intelligence, the stamina, the, the, capa the capacity. The capacity. Yeah. Um, but, but the Lord is so much bigger, and we have everything that we need in the Lord. So. I think that's such a great point because people obviously get in over their head in a lot of situations. And when God's put you into that place where he's speaking to you about it, there's a different reliance of trust. Like, I know I'm not qualified for this God, so you have to come through or else... This is going to die. This person's life is going to be set in a, into a bad course if you don't come through. It's not just about me. It's about your love. It's at stake. And I think about, uh, is it Jakey is the, the number four? And that's James' little brother. And you adopted him well after the first three. And he started, I don't know if you remember telling me the story, but he would come home watch a little house of prayer all the time. And he would make these guys watch it sometimes too. Remember, like, talk, talk about that. Like, he'd watch the little house of, do you remember that? And you're like, I think that he's watching this because it's teaching him how to be in a family. Yes, he was like obsessed with Little House on the Prairie. So this was a kid a who Haitian could hardly kid. speak English and was uh, severe. I mean, he is PTSD, severe trauma, severe abuse. And he loved like watching these family shows yeah. um, and was just drawn to it because. Peace. Yeah, peace yeah. and beauty. And now he's actually in Italy. He's a taking pictures in Italy right now. It's just amazing. Wow. He's 23 and doing, just graduated from college and doing, he's our adventure all over the but earth. I, li but I like that because I think at the time when that was happening, I remember I came out and I spoke at your church 
And you're like, he just keeps watching, and he makes the other kids watch his shows when they go home from school. And you're like, I think, it, I think God's using it to kind of mentor him, which has become like a kind of language for me because we work in the entertainment industry and a lot of shows in part culture. And I feel like we're not alone. Like when you adopt a kid, God will give tools for that kid to actually grow into your family. And God used some of these family shows as tools to help him to know how to have a mom and dad and brother and sister because he was on the streets. He didn't know how to have family at all. Like he didn't even know like James would tell me like, yeah, he's my brother, but he's more like a little you know, cousin or like we weren't around each other and stuff. And so it's just so amazing that they, they've all had their own tools of how God's integrated them. And it wasn't just up to you. It was up to the faith. Of this is my child. God, you're going to teach him. You're going to grow them. And I'm saying this, I'm pointing the conversation this way just because I believe part of the next move of God is going to cure the foster care and adoption crisis in America. Yes. I really do. And yes. in the world. I really yes. do. And you guys have forerun that now for 20 whatever years just believing and, and you just did it again. Like when you guys did it again, I saw it on Facebook because we were out of touch. So I'm like going, they did it again. You know, it's like awesome. But we're laughing because all of our friends from college that we graduated college with, all of our married friends, their kids all just left for college. Oh, for sure. They're, all of them are empty nesters. And we have a, you know, seven-year-old and nine-year-old at our house. We just turned 50. And um, this is crazy. I'm going to be like so old by the time no, no, I no. walk her down the In aisle. L.A., I went to my daughter's kindergarten in L.A., and the average age was, like, older than me. And I was like, you just need to be in a different city. <laughs> like, all my friends from growing up, they all have, like, grandkids now. And I'm are like, you, I have a four to five-year-old. can move to California. <laughs> no, no, not after you just gave the speech about God United Indiana. No. <laughs> well, tell us this. Uh, what are you seeing as far as how, because I just made a big statement that in the next move of God, adoption is going to be a big part. What are you seeing as far as that? What do you, like, you say that in the way you would say it. What is God saying about adoption, fostering, family? I think we are in a pivotal moment of re- revival looks like family. Yes. I mean, we're saying that, we put on the t-shirts, but revival really is family. It looks a lot like restoration and reconnection and setting the solitary in families. It looks... I love how, you know, Heidi Baker says love looks like something. This is what love and revival looks like, going out of our comfort zone to seek and save that which is lost. And so I think Indianapolis is ripe for a spirit of adoption movement being a part of of this. And I so believe, Sean, I agree, like we are the answer to the foster care crises right now. So we, you know, we've worked in foster care here in Marion County in Vigo County, you know, in different places, in Chicago. And um, right now in Marion County, there are 80 kids sleeping in the DCS offices because they don't have enough homes for them. And so I hear that and my heart breaks. Like the church, and this is not a guilt trip, but like God is going to bring a move where the church is the solution. The church is the answer. And love is the key. I mean, it's going to be from the heart and from love that propels us into that. Do you want to add anything, Sally? Um, well, I was thinking of Randy Bolander from, from Kansas City, I hope, I wrote a book about when he talks about um, that in a war, um, you know, children are the arrows in our quiver. quiver thank you. And... Um, so in a war, if you have bows and arrows, before we had guns, um, you know, it, you, you could fight with a sword, but you could only reach so far. 
Um, but if you have arrows, you can shoot so Come much on. farther wow. and, you know, win wars that you couldn't fight with just a sword. And he made the point, because the Bolanders are into adoption, he made the point that you would be so foolish if the enemy's throwing or, you know, shooting arrows at your feet and maybe some of them you know need to be straightened or you know put the feathers back on maybe they're a little crooked but you'd be foolish if you didn't just pick up those on, arrows yes. put them in your quiver and start using them one That's by so one good. by one and um so yeah i mean these children who are there like they 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 are waiting and i know that some of them are praying for for good families for people who would just love them and you know the world can't do it right now um the foster care system is one of the main funnels into trafficking and um and so um like we we've got to rise up we've got to ask the lord for his heart so we can pick up those broken arrows and really you know see them healed and and train them for battle and you know really just train them for for family the love of the lord that's more important than battle but <laughs> oh it's so good i mean it's a great closing thought and i think uh we just did a thing in our church after we've done this before we've done like foster care programs and we've asked the whole church to get involved and um so we've, we get like 20 to 30 families at a time well, we went through a season last year really looking at Isaiah 58 again and saying, okay, there's 26 promises that will happen if you love the marginalized and the poor and the widow and the orphan. 26 promises that are guaranteed in your life. So we said, let's put God to the test and see if he'll really bless us the way that Isaiah 58 says. Our church is called Expression 58, for those of you who don't know. And this particular time after just, just a move of God, we had 200 families sign up. And we had, I think, another 30 to 60 people sign up to be big brothers, big sisters of uh, foster care so they can meet with them once a month. And then we had uh, one of the departments of foster care for kids at the border who are detained at the border with their parents, um, you know, separated from their parents. They asked if we would be an emergency drop-off center for those kids. So we're being trained with a special program, and our, our families are just so excited, and they're all learning together to, to do so. Because everyone's talking about the border, whether you're against the, you know, the wall or you're for the wall or whatever. These kids are suffering regardless. Yeah. Like, so we're like, let's do something about it for real. So there's like 16 churches in the L.A. area and like 20 in San Diego that have, are all going through mass foster care to learn and just take as many as they can at a time. Maybe, maybe it's only one month out of the year. Maybe it's every month. You know, different people are going to have different capacity. But we just felt like our church is assigned to us, like I, as a pastor and Hona and Jennifer, who you guys know, I mean, we were just like, this is a sign. This is a signpost that people weren't just willing but they, like, they went to every single class. They're all qualified now. They're all going after it. I'm like, usually people drop off after two weeks. Yeah. Like, we're busy. We're in L.A. They all went through it. Like, there was no drop off. This is weird. Like, what's happening? They're really going to do it. It was so exciting to us. And, you know, my wife and I, we just, there's, you know, there's times that we've kind of been like surrogate um, foster care parents because we've taken on some kids. And, uh, and we just look at it and go, we've never lost We've never lost doing this, and God always leads us on a journey where we learn about our own daughters and we learn about our life. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're listening to this from the podcast or you who are live, obviously we know God cares about this, but to hear their special grace capacity, you guys, I watched you in your life, like you guys had special, a gift of deliverance manifest you didn't know you had when you got foster care kids. All we of a sudden, learned deliverance. You learned deliverance. You would teach us. You would tell us things. And we're like, 
Okay, and you had a gift of like warfare that was real warfare where these kids' lives and their inheritance and their heritage was at stake. Because you said yes to God, you became bigger people. You you became expanded in your spirit for everything else you were leading. And I just I'm so encouraged by your yes. And whether you feel to foster or not, whether you feel to adopt or not, it's it's not an issue of if you'll do that or not. It's an issue of will you love these kids? You know, will you love these people? So thank you so much for being on. How do people get a hold of your ministry? If they want to get a hold of you, what's your website? So it's ihopeindy.com. Uh, yes, ihopeindy.com. If you're in the Indianapolis area or if you just want to come visit because they're amazing, do it. We love you guys so much. Thanks. Now they're going to lead worship for you guys. So this is exciting. Okay. Hey, Exploring the Prophetic family. This is Sean Bowles. And I don't know if you know this, but Bowles Ministries, our ministry, puts together these podcasts for you every week. If you're listening in your car or your gym or at home while you're making your kids lunch for school, whether you're listening to at church or wherever you're listening to this, we have done our best to put together a quality podcast to explore the subject of hearing God's voice with you. And we want to continue to do this and we need your partnership. I want to encourage you if you're loving the show, if you're connected to the show, there's three ways you can partner. Number one is we would love your prayer support. Pray for us. This is not an easy thing to do week after week after week. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of coordination. And it also takes a lot of spiritual presence, just being present with what God's doing. Number two, financially support us. We would love your financial support and partnership. We have an incredible partnership program where you can engage with a community of people who are partnering with Bulls Ministries to send the message of hearing God's voice around the world. We do events. We do, of course, this podcast. We do all kinds of things that are free things where we give videos online. We do uh, webinars. We do all kinds of things to encourage people to hear God's voice and to activate their gifts, to activate them in the faith it takes to go on this incredible journey. So financially support us by going to bowlsministries.com. And the third way you can help us is subscribe and also leave a review under the podcast and share it with your friends. Share it on your social media platform. Tell your friends about it at work. Tell your friends about it at church. And the more you help us, the word of mouth is the most powerful source of engaging the community of people who are hungry for this kind of a subject. So be part of our, our ministry team, our prayer ministry team, our partnership team, but also be a voice for what you're listening to. If you love it, tell the stories of the people who are telling the stories to you. Thank you so much for listening. Come on the journey with us and please enjoy season two.